Tired of ads crashing your comedy podcast party? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts, included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or visit amazon.com slash comedy ad free. That's amazon.com slash comedy ad free. And catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. And here's your prescription. I know just the pharmacy to get this filled. Who are you? A pharmacy benefit manager. A middleman your insurer uses to decide which medicines you can get, what you pay, and sometimes even which pharmacy you should go to. Why can't I go to a pharmacy in my neighborhood? Because I make more money when you go to a pharmacy I own. <laughs> no one should stand between you and your medicine. Visit phrma.org slash middleman to learn more. Paid for by Pharma. Hey, just before we get started, this is a conspiracy, paranormal, and true crime podcast. The nature of this podcast is gory, unsettling, and definitely vulgar. And we curse a lot. Like a lot, a lot. So be advised that we're just two idiots with a mic. Yo, 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 and welcome back to... I couldn't even do it. Creeps and Crimes Podcast. I'm Taylor. And I'm working. And we're back for episode 98 and a new setup, of yeah. course. Because And we're back on YouTube. When don't we change our setup once a month? And we're also back on YouTube. And we're back in the studio, off the couch, back to the chairs. You know how it be in here. It gets <laughs> feels, crazy. It feels crazy. It feels crazy, girl. We've already been acting up. If you <laughs> didn't see us. <laughs> on your tiktok and your instagram reels and what are you doing actually if you did see it just uh, we're sorry we're sorry but actually we're not sorry because we're feeling ourselves in these clothes like we you'll hear about them. it later yeah we love them we, we're freaking obsessed and i don't know what i was expecting i really don't know what i was expecting but when i got these clothes immediately change i'm wearing this for the next month <laughs> it's now the month outfit it's the month it's the outfit of the month it is the outfit of the month um but you guys know every august we hit you with a back to school safety slash spooky special where we cover stuff that happens at schools and bring some awareness to sending your kids back to school whether it's to college elementary school preschool you know middle school high school whatever it is because mm, there's a lot of awful shit that happen happens in schools absolutely um, absolutely 100 percent. so we're going to have a little discussion i haven't even told morgan about this yet oh great uh, i thought i would just pop it on you i saw it on facebook well okay go ahead um i wanted to i wanted us to talk about like some of the like staples of our elementary schools early 2000s moments like our favorite moments like the things or that like- you remember like vividly for no reason like for me it's the 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 tv the big back TV that's strapped onto a fucking oh, yeah, roller that cart. was rolled in on this metal iron cart. And it's got like 900 um, tapes. Yes, tapes yeah. underneath it. I know. Oh, my God. I have so many. I'll never forget when they started giving, I, I, I mean, not iPads, um, like laptops. Did you ever get laptops? Um, man, we were a part of this. I know you're right. Um, we, we did not get laptops. <laughs> we were a part of this like thing that Tennessee put on and it was like sending laptops to different schools like random high schools that were just like randomly picked or something like that and to see how it affected like productivity of the kids I fucking hated it 
I can't I cannot pay attention if I, I remember have a kids that were cyber schooled or homeschooled they got laptops yeah. and I was like mom mom I want a laptop mom I need a laptop mom I need to be cyber schooled but my okay the biggest staple of my elementary school career was uh, my career <laughs> my, my elementary school career when you got in trouble you had to stand on the wall at recess I mean that's How? so fucked up okay no and then I was thinking about like the the cards or like the the pens that you would have to move if you were bad with your name written on it and you oh, have to get well, you're like the entire in class. The either green zone yellow zone or red zone yeah. red zone means call home to mom <laughs> and red zone office. means like you're going to the principal's office and you're gonna get paddled like we no, used to get paddled dude they would line us up on the it, at recess, it would line us up on this brick wall, and we'd have to stand there, up against backs against the wall, and watch, and everybody, watch everybody play for the entirety of the recess for like thirty five minutes. It that was, was fucking jail. That is literally <laughs> illegal. That is prison. And I've only had to stand. I only had to stand on the wall one time, and it was a day we had a substitute teacher, and uh. it was because so fifth grade we were on the fifth floor, okay, and the cafeteria is on the first floor, and me and a couple of my friends were like running down the stairs, like just like we always yeah. did, like to get to. We were hungry, Wait, hungry, starving, mother, hungry kids you gotta go fucking eat and um whenever i got down there it was sloppy joe day and my substitute teacher was like you guys are on the wall you're not allowed to run down the stairs not on sloppy joe um, day and so it was sloppy joe day and i wouldn't touch my sloppy joe and i was crying hysterically i was like i can't be on the wall i can't i'm not a, i'm not a, I'm wall, not girl. a wall girl i'm not a wall i'm not girl. a wallflower i'm not a wallflower <laughs> and the cafeteria ladies literally came up to me and they're like sweetheart like you really need to eat your sloppy joe i'm like i don't want the sloppy joe I don't I just want to play on the swings <laughs> and they didn't give a shit they literally don't care oh my god no so what was your favorite cafeteria food like what was the day that you were like pasta for? day with breadsticks pasta and breadsticks I also liked um pizza I liked pe- the the triangle I mean not the triangle the square pizza mm-hmm. square pizza only with the Italian sausage loved that mm-hmm. and then Breakfast it pizza. always came with corn on the side you guys didn't have corn on the side now every time i eat pizza or pasta like lasagna i'm like i need some corn because Mm -hmm. that's i'm like conditioned to know that this comes with corn yeah um but i think the cheese the bread cheesy breadstick thingies did you guys have those sticks bosco sticks yeah oh my god and we had french fry friday and taught tuesday oh in high school well our high school cafeteria is actually boy no mine was ass but ours was so good gourmet line salad bar soup bar you had two options then you had a snack bar they had like all flavored slushies gourmet pretzels that were stuffed with cream cheese are you kidding these greasy brownies that were like literally the grease was melting through the wax paper cookies every piece of candy you could think of any type of ice cream that you could think of it was so good i would literally spend twenty dollars a day my mom i'd be like mom need more lunch money she's like i just put a hundred on last week literally how "Ah." Sorry, but I was a spoiled bitch in elementary school because everyone had to get milk and juice was an upcharge, but I was allergic to dairy, so my juice was free, so I always got a good juice. I was like basically flexing on everyone. Yeah, I would have been too. I was like, yeah, I have a juice today. No, do you remember how like (laughs) amazing it was? Did you ever have to, you know, when you get checked out for like a doctor's appointment and you come back with like McDonald's or some shit and you like slip it to your girl, but like no one else and everybody's like, can I please have one for dry? Yeah, please. Please Please one for dry. And I'm like, no, sorry. It's just for me and Emma, aka Scoots. Like, "Mm, this is for (laughs) us. We were such bitches. But if it was a doctor's appointment, I'd never go back to school. My mom would be like, you know what? You're right. School's I would too far die. Away. I loved going to school. I would literally like, Mom, please, I'm gonna miss a fight or something. Like, please send me back. <laughs> I, I was my biggest fear was to miss a fight. Like, if oh, I was gonna fight, miss a fight, I thought you said fire. No, 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 like, no, okay, no. I, I would have loved to miss a fire, but to miss a fight, no. Like, I would have felt so left out of the loop. I've <laughs> oh been my so gosh. pissed. 
That would have been so bad. No, like our recess was literally like a zoo. Like I'm talking, we had kids that were climbing like the walls. No, and like think about think about recess. How is that safe? I don't know. And like it, you send children while, while these teachers just like shit talk together on the bench in the shade. And you send these children who have been cooped up in center block buildings mm-hmm. all day. And you're like roam free. Yeah. And 45 minutes go after There's it. literally like monkey bars right that they're after, climbing on top of. Always right after lunch. Too. Yeah. Always. Don't throw up. Sorry if you do. And then there was always that one kid that did. Always. And then you had to run the mile. I'm sorry. No, that, that was some up. fucking bullshit. That was bad. That was up. so rude. And Why the did push we up test? I'm like, or the there's pull- some. No, it was the pull up test. I was like, I no. can't do a pull up. I am bottom heavy. <laughs> I'm a bottom heavy bitch. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I cannot pull up my hips down i can't pull that weight i would train so hard let me do my pull-ups hanging from my the presidential <laughs> what was it called the presidential fitness, fitness test? test okay how is that fair there's just some people that are not and then athletic. you get this signed barack obama like, on oh. paper <laughs> and you're like yeah oh my god yes <laughs> i fucking did it like why would we do that like you want to know where bullying starts with with it's gym pres- teachers absolutely with gym teachers point blank well period. bullies in high school end up being gym teachers period and nurses every single one of them yeah all the nurses and gym teachers are like <laughs> listen to this right now are you guys okay were you bullies let us know not all but every gym teacher period. but it was always like if it was like a male gym teacher he was always like kind of like pedo a little pedo always rubbing on your shoulders yeah, oh like, i can i have one ooh. everyone from my school knows oh i hated it or you have like Great job the today. coolest fucking woman oh ever like we had miss newman in our uh, elementary school and she'd be like go get your hula hoops and yeah. like that's just how the she girls were. are always dope they're dope as our hell gym, girl or gym they were was awesome. crazy because they were like former athletes and they would come in there and be like get down get me 20 and you're like jesus christ we know you can try better dock 10 points today and you're like i'm like i'm all about to get cmpe please don't yeah. do this to me i'm trying my best out here dodgeball like can we just play dodgeball instead or bear tag did you like what was your staple game in elementary school gym do you guys remember the name of it elementary school yeah we did the like scooters on the butt. Oh my god, those! Do you know were what I'm talking a, about when they would like tape finger hats when they would tape the tracks on the yes. gym floor and you would like ride around on the scooters. And, yes. Like, oh, that shit was fun. Oh wait, no, I'm thinking about the the flat rolly things. Yeah, on your butt. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was thought I, I thought you were. It had like the two handle. handles on the oh, side. Yeah, 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 yeah. Those. Oh my god, those usually were, blue and yellow. Yeah, terrifying. <laughs> literally terrifying. And then also, my elementary school gym had wooden bleachers still, Ours like too. very old and like concrete. So if you ran into the bleachers on accident you were dead and if you walked into gym on elementary school and they had the rainbow canopy yes. out it's the best day knew ever it was the best day ever or if you like accidentally forgot your gym shoes because you wanted to flex with your new sandals that you got from dillard's with your grandma the yeah. weekend before then you'd have to sit out and watch everybody play with the fucking well, we canopy. didn't have to wear we didn't have to wear gym you shoes didn't. in elementary school. Oh my god, we had to. Middle school and high school, we had to bring a change of clothes. And blah, well, yeah, blah, obviously, in but middle school. And actually, high school. maybe we just had to wear tennis shoes. That yeah, day. you just had to wear. tennis I don't shoes. remember ever bringing shoes though. I would always like if I was wearing sandals, my mom would be like, "Don't forget your tennis shoes." You know, I wore tennis shoes every day anyway. You I know, did. I did not wear sandals. I was wearing like school. heels. You know, my mom had me in heelys. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, and then we weren't allowed to wear heelys in gym either. They oh made us take god. out our. No, it was banned from the school. Yeah, when they got banned from the school. 
school, I sobbed. I was like, I just got the new white and pink Actually, ones. Actually, like flip flops and sandals were, you weren't allowed to wear those in elementary school at really? all. Really? Because we at had all. five flights of stairs. It was uh, a huge, we're, it's a, flat. we're like very like in, but we were tall. Yeah. Well, because you said like the fifth floor was fifth grade. I'm like, that is a fucking terrifying yeah. ordeal. One, two, three, four, five. Of course, you rolling, like running down the stairs would be an issue. Like you and they should were cry like, over like, shopping just spiral. Sloppy like it was crazy. Like they was actually really pretty elementary school. That sounds really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. No, all the elementary schools around me were like flat as a desert. Yeah. Ours, ours was flat. not like that. I guess deserts are flat. Mm-hmm. I guess we better get going. Um, do you have anything to say? No, I was gonna say we had time we could talk about Rush, but we won't. Uh, we'll talk about we'll talk, we'll talk about, about that it in mine. my story or oh, your story. Both Perfect. Of ours. Um, but also, we do want to note that we had our first like official business meeting today. Yeah, we did. And, I mean, yeah, we have been doing this for two years, but we did, and we and it feel was awesome. Great, we feel great. We might have we might have um, done something. We really might cool. have a lot of surprises for you, like huge, like maybe the name's not even Creeps and Crimes anymore. Okay, I'm just fucking with you. If you're driving, throw that shit on cruise control. If you got a glass, pour that shit up. And let's get creepy. You want to know what we love more than new, stylish, cute, snatched clothes? Is a women ran own operated business for freaking women we are all about women empowerment of course at Catley's boutique you're bound to find that perfect new piece to amp up any new season's wardrobe not only do they carry the latest in stylish fashion from dresses to tees to high-rise jeans but if there's anything wrong with your order like at all you just send them a quick email and a real live person will get back with you and take care of you in minutes and their clothes are, are so, so cute. cute we're obsessed obsessed if you saw our instagram reel then you know that we were rocking them you know that we were rocking them and patreons know that we rocked them for three days straight (laughs) (laughs) kelly's boutique has been in business for two years with a vast selection of athleisure and trendy clothes that can be worn year round kelly's boutique offers it all they know that you don't have to stick to one style whether you want to look put together and super cute but there are also other times where you want to wear your oversized tees and biker t-shirts with a bun check them out at kelly'sboutique.com and use code creeps and crimes to save 15 percent off your entire purchase that's c-a-e-l-i-s boutique.com and you can use code creeps and crimes to save 15 percent off of your entire purchase check them out Okay, Morgan, what do you have for us today? Okay, okay. today I'm going to be telling you about the Skull and Bones Secret Society. Oh, oh shit. So those headed off, I know we talked a little bit about elementary school, middle school, high school in our intro, but those headed off to college right now going through sorority recruitment or a fraternity rush or if you've just been consumed by Bama Rush on TikTok. Oh my God. I know, and maybe you've never done Srat life or frat life before. I know you have so many questions. Right. What goes on behind closed doors? Ask your girls. The secrecy, the oaths you take, the robes you wear. <laughs> oh, this tea Taylor and I could spill. So much tea. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, it's usually nothing too crazy for your regular IFC or Panhellenic organizations. But if you are the chosen one, you may be invited to join a secret society on campus. And the chances that your university has a secret society that you don't know about is likely. 10 out of 10. It's high. They're there. Yeah, sorry. They're they're at every college campus. Sorry to expose all of you. Even UT. Yeah. 
but we know of that one. <laughs> we know about that one. Right. Um, so today I'm talking about one of the most notorious collegiate secret societies in history. Well, not so much a secret anymore. Um, the Skull and Bones Society. Ooh. Skull and Bones was formed in 1832, roughly 190 years ago at Yale University in New Haven, Connecticut. And it goes by four names. Skull and Bones, The Order, Order 322, and The Brotherhood of Death. Okay. Is that what you guys want to be called? The Sisterhood of Death? <laughs> the Besties of Death. The Besties of Death. <laughs> the Babes of Death. Just think about it and let us know. Yeah, sleep on it and get back to us. Let us know. Babes of Death. B- besties of Death. Babes of Death. <laughs> what is it? Love it. Um, at Yale, there are three secret societies Ooh. called the Big Three. These are Scroll and Key, the Wolf's Head, and of course, the most prominent Skull and Bones. If you are a member of the Bones, you are known as Bonesmen members of the order, or initiated to the order. So how it started. 131 years after Yale University was founded, members at the Phi Beta Kappa Award Ceremony for already existing societies fell into a bit of a conflict. The conflict, not stated, was only fixed when members from three different societies reached a conclusion. So this conclusion was that members from the Linonia, Linona? Linona? Nona? <laughs> Members from the Lenonia, the Brothers in Unity, and the Calliopian Societies left their oath groups and formed the Skull and Bone Society. I'm so curious what this conflict really could have been over to start that shit. Like, you're at an award ceremony. You're like, you know what? We're leaving. We're creating our own. All three from three different societies. Like, like what happened chill. there? I bet they did not become presidents. Yeah. Lost they didn't their effing minds. They didn't win. Um, the Chapter of the Year Chapter award. Chapter of the Year Award. They didn't win Lip Sync, obviously. <laughs> they didn't win most philanthropic (laughs) anyway um so william huntington russell created this society along with 12 other members forming the first member class the first member that william russell initiated or tapped was alfonso taft whose son would later become president of the united states president william h taft oh shit some sources argue that william russell modeled the society after european groups that he had encountered while studying in germany Mm. william russell's time in germany was spent with the most mystical and elite clubs in the world including organizations that mimic the Enlightenment era that inspired the Illuminati. Oh. The society was an orig- was originally called the Eulogian Club. I probably mispronounced that. Where they worshipped this fake goddess named Eulogia. Eulogia. I don't know how to say her name. She's Eugula. fake. She hasn't, she hasn't, she's not real. Okay. Anyway, this goddess represents eloquence, and that's who they worshipped at first. She's not real. Right. <laughs> but in 1856, it was incorporated as the Russell Trust Association and on campus was referred to as Skull and Bones. Okay. Today, Skull and Bones is ran by its alumni organization, the Russell Trust Association, and they own the organization's real estate and they oversee all membership, and it's considered the business like arm of the society. Like the nationals. Yeah. In 1943, the Connecticut legislature passed an act granting special exemption to the Russell Trust Association, stating that they wouldn't have to file corporate reports with the Secretary of State, and they are the only collegiate organization in the country that doesn't have to do so. Excuse me. So I'm assuming that means they don't have to pay, like, taxes. Any, they don't have to file any anything. Like, company shit. Yeah. What, how is that legal? Right. Okay. Okay. Keep going. Maybe we'll figure it out. Yeah. The emblem of the society is a skull and crossbones with the number 322 beneath of it. Beneath of it. Really? 322? 
I really put beneath of I really just said beneath of it. I meant beneath it, guys. Sorry. <laughs> My words were all messed up. I honestly thought it. I was like, oh, look at that. Scholastic. Yeah, 322. Is that an angel number? Yeah. I don't think so. The number refers to the year 322 BCE, which was the death of the Greek order Demosthenes. And was also the same year ancient Athens transformed from democracy to plutocracy. Okay. So plutocracy, thanks to Google, is government by the wealthy. Basically, the elite or the ruling class is decided upon based off of wealth. So they picked this number for their emblem, 322, based it off of the year 322 BCE, which was the year that ancient Athens... Who the fuck do they know in the government? Right. Everybody, obviously. They are the government. They are the government. So that's like typical Ivy League. They're like, we're going to knock this off plutocracy. (laughs) Fucking Yale. What are you talking about? This is all off well. Duh. Um, So Skull and Bones have two facility meetup spots, the Tomb and Deer Island. The tomb was originally built in 1856, but doubled in size in 1903 and has since grown. It was built in three different phases. The first wing was built in 1856, and the second wing was built in 1903. And in 1912, um, architect Alexander Jackson Davis, along with another architect, Everts Tracy, who were these like huge like architectural people, best of the best, they kind of introduced this Gothic design oh. to America. They love designed these, yeah, love your work. <laughs> love they your designed work. these neo-gothic towers to the rear garden, and this created a small enclosed courtyard in the back of the building. Everts Tracy was actually a bonesman in 1890, along with his uncle William Maxwell Ever in 1837. He was the guy that did the, you know, yeah. the towers. The tomb now sits as a gothic windowless building right off of campus, and it's located on High Street and is the main location for member meetings and events. Documents have supposedly been leaked that belong inside the tomb that show members measure the time of day according to a clock that's five minutes out of sync with normal time. And this is called barbarian time. So they don't use real time. Okay. But like, I don't know how they get anything done. Like, okay, how are you getting your assignments turned in? Like, how do you know what time it is? Are you running late? Do are, I are run you late on this? to every meeting and do you get your ass beat? Right. But maybe it's early because you just said it's a difference. So maybe it's like five minutes early. So they're like five minutes early to so then everything. Does that mean you have to be ten minutes early? But really? how do you set your phone to like? Be well, on- they didn't have this. Is oh yeah, you're right. They're just using their watches. You're yeah. right. You're right. Um, legend also says that the tomb holds the remains of someone who was supposed to be laid to rest, but has been disturbed since 1918, and this is so messed up. While there is no confirmation on this, the legend says that Prescott S. Bush, a.k.a. the father of President George H.W. Bush and the grandfather of President George W. Bush, traveled to Fort Still, Oklahoma in 1918 and disturbed the peace of the prominent leader, the medicine man, and the shaman of the Apache people, Geronimo. You're shitting my fucking dick right now. They grave robbed him. A medicine man. Okay, what was he again? He was a med- he was the prominent leader, medicine man, and the shaman of the Apache people. You're haunted. Yeah. Is there any like encounters that they talk about? So, well, no one talks about any. Oh yeah, you you're right. can't it's a talk about society. anything in this. Ugh. Um, so they grave rob him. Um, Prescott Bush, along with several other members, allegedly dug up Geronimo's grave, stole the warrior's skull, two bones, and some riding gear from his resting place. They then traveled back to the tomb and put the remains on display in this windowless crypt bringing their emblem, the skull and two bones, to life. What the fuck? Now, I'm going to talk a little bit more about that at the end, but that's... Uh, okay, go ahead. Um, these are horrific people. Yeah. Horrific people. How, how have they not been raided and burned to the fucking ground? Because they're literally the leaders of our country. Fine, we'll lead it. Who wants to go with? 
You want to get fucking arrested by Secret Service? Like, come on. Good, we'll get shot at. We won't CIA, get arrested. So. <gasps> okay, keep going. The second location of the society is Deer Island. They own and manage Deer Island, a retreat location on the St. Lawrence River that's in between mainland Canada and the United States. It is owned entirely by the Russell Trust Association and can be seen if traveling up the St. Lawrence River. It covers more than 40 acres, and its purpose is to give Bonesmen the opportunity to get together and rekindle old friendships. Oh, fuck. According to Alexandra Robbins, who wrote a book on Yale Secret Societies, um, Deer Islands in the early 1900s was filled with, like, tennis courts and softball fields and these beautiful, like, rhubarb plants and sailboats on the lake. They had staff for everything, caterers, captains, you name it. But today, it's just ruins. Members still visit it every single year. But when you look at it from the river, it's just a bunch of burned out, like, stone buildings. It's overgrown. They said calling it, like, a bonesman told Alexandra that calling it rustic would be to glorify it and that it's a dump. But it's still beautiful, but it's a dump. Which makes me think that if they're still visiting it, like, the wealthiest of the wealthiest motherfuckers, this is their retreat that it's... The retreat is probably underground. I bet that was just a cover as they, the ruins or whatever were just uh, right. Like cover they like as they use it for the first couple years, and then they're like, "Oh, we oh, abandoned it." Elevator yeah. to the bottom of the earth, literally, literally to hollow earth, to hollow earth. Probably Kentucky Tunnel, you're out. Yeah, <laughs> mainland Deer Island Tunnel, Deer Island, Deer tunnel. Island Tunnel, Deer Island Tunnel. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, everything is now overgrown, barely visible beneath the growth. Um, so next question, who are the Bonesmen? Yeah. How do you get in? And if there was Bonesmen rush talk, what would we see? Yeah. Skull and Bone selects new members every spring as part of Yale's University's Tap Day. The senior class will select 15 students from the junior class to join the society. And the society is exclusively limited or was exclusively still is, but was exclusively limited to white Protestant males, unless by means you were a star athlete. The first Jewish student tapped into Skull and Bones was Al Hesberg, star football player in 1938, and the first African-American student tapped into the society was Levy Jackson, class of 1950, who actually turned down the invitation. Well, good for him. Good for him. God, no shot I'd be fucking And I'm not sure if it's either. Levy or Levi. I think it's Levy. Levy? Levy Jackson. I think that sounds right to yeah, me. I do too. Yeah. Um, so the university, Yale University, didn't become co-educational until 1969. Therefore, these secret societies on campus were had already been established for hundreds of years. And the thought of a woman in one? Nah, no shot. No fucking shot. The Bones class of 1972 attempted to tap a woman for membership when alumni were like, <clears throat> what the hell do you think you're doing? Well, right, because what really were they doing? This started an issue that would be debated for the next 20 years. The class of 1991 tapped seven female members for the next year's class, and this pissed alumni the fuck off. So the trust, a.k.a. the alumni, changed the locks on the tomb, and the Bonesmen couldn't get in. So instead, they had to, like, meet in the manuscript building on campus. What? They decided to do a mail-in vote of all alumni and active members on the issue of letting female members in, which decided 368 to 320 to permit women into the society. Look, it makes me nervous for, like, women to join this. Like, I I just don't feel safe about it. No, me neither. I don't feel safe about it. Like, I don't even want them to. Like, why would they? Like, I I know why they would. Like, it would be Because they want to be president. Right, because you want to be in, like, government. But it just doesn't seem safe, ladies. Right. 
And then, so after this mail-in vote, which won for females right. to be allowed into the society, a group of alumni led by William F. Buckley, who founded the magazine National Review, um, this group obtained a temporary restraining order to block the motion, arguing that a formal change in bylaws was needed. So I'm sorry you're so pressed. Even though majority won, you are an alumni literally living your life. You're probably 55, 60 years old, and you're so pressed over women that you create this little gang and boycott the motion. But Fighting Buckley's crew was another group ran by John Forbes Carey, which is a member of the Forbes family and an American politician, and R. Inslee Clark Jr., who was a huge advocate for co-ed transition for Ivy League schools. So okay. he basically was like, Ivy Leagues need to be co-ed right. at the time. 100%. Um, these two spoke out in favor of admitting women into the society. Fair enough. A second alumni vote in October of 1991 accepted the class of 1992, and women have been allowed since. Good. I'm glad that they did seven instead of the original one back in the day. Yeah, because that's scary. That is terrifying to me. But I'm glad they did more than one. Like, at least they have, like, a little crew that they can be together. Yeah. According to Lainey Davis, who was an Ameri- who is an American political operative, lawyer, consultant, lobbyist, author, and television commenter, and served as special counsel to President Bill Clinton and was spokesperson for the White House, he wrote on the qualifications for membership on the 1968 Yale yearbook. And this is a quote, but... Which is this is so fucked up because he literally worked for the White House and he said some very awful um, discriminatory things in this quote. So I have changed some words because it's racist. It's derogatory. It's it's rude as fuck. Right. Um, So he says that, quote, if the society had a good year, this is what the ideal group will consist of a football captain, a chairman of the Yale Daily News, a conspicuous radical uh, with and poof, which is a um, what um, a acapella member. Okay. A swimming captain, a notorious drunk with a 94 average, a filmmaker, a politician columnist, a religious group leader, a chairman of the lit, a foreigner, a ladies man, an ex-serviceman, an African-American, and a guy nobody else in the group had ever heard of, ever. Okay, where are the ladies? Yeah, the, this was in um, <laughs> 1968. The women oh. weren't there yet. Oh, the women weren't there yet. Gross. 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 And yeah. you had to call out that there could be one African-American? Yeah, I actually, Why couldn't I actually did him. I shouldn't have. I, I'm going to read you the full quote. He okay. says an African-American if there are enough to go around. Shut up. That's what he actually says. Which is so fucked up. It is so fucked up. Like, why are you automatically assuming? I mean, this motherfucker worked for. He was the spokesperson. He was the B- press of the Bill White House. Bill Clinton. With Bill he was Clinton. literally his right hand man. Wow. Leading our country. But that does that doesn't like honestly surprise me. No, because our leaders are fucked up people. <laughs> right. Um, initiation meetings and rituals were kept secret. And to this day, we really have no idea what goes on there. Bonesmen carry their secrets with them until the day that they die. The society is filled with wealth and privilege and power. And the alumni have weirdly made up a large percentage of the world's most powerful leaders. Literally, the 2004 presidential election, both candidates from both parties were former Bonesmen. Whoa. And when asked about it, John Kerry said, it's a secret. 
And then George W. Bush wrote in his autobiography. So he never was asked about it in person, but in his autobiography, he wrote so secret. I can't say anything more. Like he was literally finishing like John Kerry's sentence. Are you like, like going like piggybacking off of it? Ooh, like why yeah. are you gaslighting us to like ask more questions? Right. Like you want us <laughs> to ask more? Is that what you're wanting? So I'm going to run through some of the prominent alumni. Um, so first is former president and chief justice William Howard Taft, a.k.a. the founder's son, former president and father and son, George H.W. Bush and George W. Bush, president of the New York Central Railroad System and United States Senator from New York, Chauncey Depew, founder and CEO of Pan American World Airways, a.k.a. Pan Am, Juan Terry Tripp, um, the first chancellor of Washington University in St. Louis, Joseph Gibson Hoyt, Supreme Court Justice Morrison W. Waite, Supreme Court Justice Potter Stewart, the chief of the Central Intelligence Agency, James Jesus Angleton. And he is actually considered the mother of the CIA. Oh, like we talked founder. about him in yeah. um, Charles Manson. Yeah. Yeah. He did. The United States Secretary of War, Henry Stimson. The United States Secretary of Defense, Robert Lovett. Governor of Massachusetts, William Washburn. Founder of Time, founder of Life. Sorry, these are. this is the founder magazines. of Time, Life, Fortune, and Sports Illustrated magazines, Henry Luce. <sighs> Former U.S. Secretary of State and United States Senator John Kerry. Founder of the investment management company Blackstone Incorporated, Stephen Schwarzman. Chairman of Obama's Council of Economic Advisors, Austin Goolsby. CO, founder of Morgan Stanley, Harold Stanley, and founder of FedEx, Frederick W. Smith. Holy shit. So Bonesmen have at one time controlled the fortunes of the Carnegie, Rockefeller, and Ford families, as well as posts in the Central Intelligence Agency, the American Psychological Psychological Association, and the Council on Foreign Relations, and some of the most powerful law firms in the world. That is terrifying. But before I jump into some tea that I found on Reddit. I went to Yale? all went to Yale like <laughs> not Harvard babes like, come like on, be a you, Harvard babe why come is on. no one else a Harvard babe like I'm a Harvard babe. I'm a Harvard babe <laughs> although my shirt that I have that says Yale on it burnt um so it must have been a telltale sign yeah yeah I'm burning it yeah together so anyway before I jump into some tea that I found on red reddit goodness gracious reddit it um, on February 17th, two, 2009, the 100th anniversary of Geronimo's death, descendants of the Apache filed a federal lawsuit against the Skull and Bone Society, demanding that the group that claims to have possession of his remains return them to his family. Harold Geronimo, 61 years old, who is Geronimo's great-grandson, said, quote, I believe strongly from my heart that his spirit was never released. In August of 2010, a year later, Judge Richard Roberts granted the Justice Department motion to dismiss, saying the plaintiffs cited a law that applies only to Native American cultural items excavated or discovered after 1990. Therefore, the lawsuit was dropped and his remains were not returned. Uh, I? The hold they have on the federal I'm government. I'm fucking speechless. Are you kidding me? Oh, you don't have rights to this because it, it wasn't a law after until 1990. No, fuck you. That's my fucking granddad, great granddad's fucking right. bones. It's so fucked up. I know. I saw and you. even more so than that, it is an artifact of my culture. And it has nothing to do with, with you. your laws, with your fucking laws. You came here on and my fucking land, my descendant and for the second time in history. Like, are you fucking probably the hundredth? Are you kidding me? What chokehold? Do they have on the federal government? Are, are you on fucking the serious? That, that is, they can get that motion dismissed. That is terrifying. Can you imagine what more must be covered up for that? Yeah. For that to be the one thing that we hear? Right. Exactly. Oh, my God. 
Um, so besides the peak interest for most conspiracy theories and being blamed for literally everything, like I'm talking the skull and bones is a reason behind lots of things like the creation of the nuclear bomb, the Kennedy assassination, 9-11, the origin of the Illuminati and wanting to create a one world government. There is nothing and I mean nothing that I could find that was juicy on this society. Like it is locked, zipped, sealed, thrown away. The only thing that is publicized is the members names because they have to through the university. Yeah, it's a public And if that's even the truth. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? Knowledge. Yeah, you're right. But thanks to Reddit, say no more. Now, of course, this is Reddit, so please take it with a grain of salt. Um, I found this thread posted by a user that was claiming to be a member of Skull and Bones, saying that he'll not answer anything compromising his own identity. But luckily for us, he likes Reddit more than he likes Bones, and the Bones did him wrong. Okay, hell yeah. So his username is Whisper Again, and this was posted 13 years ago, um, which I'm just so kind of, like, wary about this, because if he was a Skull and Bones member, like... The chances of him actually jumping on Reddit and being like a like an internet sleuth like are slim to none. Well, he could have been like someone that was high up in IT. That's and true. because how would you feel comfortable posting that on like on a website knowing that the fucking CIA motherfuckers could come grab you at any second by tracing your IP? Yeah, I know. Or he's fake. Or he's fake. Mm -hmm. So he said that once you're tapped, you have to reveal all adolescent sexual history. So any partners from when you lost your virginity to the time that you were tapped to the end of your junior year. And I actually saw a couple articles talk about this, but they weren't like like the times or like like it was just like like college kids blogs. Oh, okay. So I didn't really want to mention it, but he said it there. So I figured I would. Um, He says that you share your deepest and darkest secrets and that in the tomb and within the society, there is a huge obsession with human remains and with death inside the tomb there is skulls everywhere most of them were obtained illegally in the early years so there's more than just geronimo's yeah remains. there's way more than that um there is nazi paraphernalia lying around everywhere not because that they are nazis but because it ties with their obsession with death and it ties with the og like founders obsession with germany when he was over there you can't convince me they're not nazis right acting like this he said that he has seen geronimo's skull it is there and that each member actually like I don't even want to say this. I'm like, say it that they actually like have to like lick it. You're kidding me. No, like kiss it, like lick its teeth. What the fuck is wrong with you? He says that there is essentially no hazing, that everything is pretty much like mutually agreed upon. Like that they're so like, I guess that these members are just so desperate to be in like This this society and like they kind of have like a head on their shoulders that they know like what this is all going to be about that they are fine with doing whatever that it's not necessarily hazing if you don't if you want to do it do you know what i mean yeah i know what you mean it's still fucked up um that the initiation type event deals with blindfolding reading of names and sharing your deepest and darkest secrets already initiated members are dressed up in these like occult like masks during this i just picture giant bird beaks that's what i picture them wearing yeah um but anyway that's kind of all i have i I kind of get this like like part of me wants to think that this is like today Skull and Bones is not what it used to be because Mm -hmm. it's so publicized and so many people know of it and that today it's probably just like this like like I'm just thinking like Hellfire Club like these Dungeons and Dragons like nerdy yeah like college boys that like are smart as fuck and filthy rich and they are obsessed with death but like not like Hellfire like the innocent Stranger Things boys like I'm talking like just like nerdy like 
I don't know. Like playing on like war zone type of death obsession. But if that was the case, Morgan, they would have given back the bones. Like there's no way. But yeah, they all end up extremely successful. And then again, though, it's all about connection. So, of course, if you're trying to climb the political ladder and you have the Russell Trust Association. Oh, that's another thing. You can't put skull and bones on your resume. You have to put that you worked for interned at the Russell Trust Association. And if someone sees that on your resume, someone's immediately going to recognize that and immediately hire you. So you're regardless going to be noticed, climb up that social ladder and... All it is is about it's connections, and that's yeah. why so many people are in the government with the Skull and Bones Society. I'm going to put an application into the FBI and put that I was... Uh, Russell Trust Association? Yeah, that I interned there. See what they say. I'm oh like, God. they'll call me immediately. Like, who are you? No, then they'll tap all of our shit, and then we'll be in some big trouble. Yeah, so yeah. I don't know, but regardless, it's pretty fucked up. It's creepy, and at the same time, I probably kind of would have loved to be tapped besides the Geronimo shit that's really messed up. But I would love to be tapped just so I can get in there and see everything and then steal it and then take it back and then... Oh, that's padlocked. It's like triple padlocked. Oh, the door. my God. So there's only one door and it's like there's no windows or anything. It's like a, it's like a crypt. It's a tomb. It's a tomb. I think we should. I read up. this one um, university student's blog that said that she on tap night because you, you every society uses tap night for the same thing. Yeah. And on tap night, her dorm, you can see or her apartment complex or something mm-hmm. is close to where the skull and bones tomb is. Yeah. She like would hear like moaning and like cries for help every night on tap night and like like she was like going crazy on it actually like really digging into it and the second day like the day after tap day whenever your name gets publicized by the university Mm -hmm. that you are now a member of skull and bones you immediately become like that person on campus that people are trying to like make connections with because they know you're gonna go somewhere that you're gonna graduate and you will you, you will, will be a millionaire. You will be someone You'll influential. Own Time magazine. And you will be a, the big shot of the United States. Damn, Morgan. I'm glad that you did that because I never would have known about this besides you discussing it. Yeah. But I hate that you did this to me. Damn. Well, thanks so much. Back to school. Back to school, babes. Skull and Bones Rush Talk. <laughs> You know we love a bestie duo, but we also love a husband and wife true crime duo. Which you know we would absolutely kill for. But since our boys are not getting on board anytime soon, we are living vicariously through our friends Ashley and Ricky at Crime Salad Podcast. Crime Salad is a true crime podcast that investigates sudden disappearances, mysterious deaths, unsuspecting massacres, and more. Since January of 2019, this iconic couple, Ashley and Ricky, have released scripted 40-minute episodes that are well researched engaging and so interesting some of crime salad's most recent episodes that we loved are titled covid alibi the tiktok murder star in the vanishings part one and two where they dive into the abduction and captivity of the three girls in cleveland and highlight on the human condition and their survival story no morgan the way that i literally binged all of those in a single day right (laughs) ashley and ricky from crime salad cover all the cases and true crime tales that we're craving to learn more about If any of these stories and titles intrigue you, we absolutely 10 out of 10 recommend you listening to Crime Salad on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. Go check out our friends Ashley and Ricky with Crime Salad Podcasts. You won't regret it. So in the spirit of shitty fraternities and awful people, um, I'm going to be covering a case that has absolutely ripped my heart apart. Um, And you guys know typically, like when I'm giving you a case, I'm giving you full background on every character 
in this case, but it just didn't feel right with this one. I think that in this case, you deserve to know the facts out of respect for this victim and to understand um, how just how brutal and horrific his death was. So with all that being said um, and hope hoping that this will raise awareness for other people that were probably in his position, I'm going to be covering the case of Timothy Piazza. Oh my god. This yep. case fucked us up. You remember yeah. this when this came out? We were like best friends. This is when yeah. we were new best friends. Yeah. When this case um and I mean, you were it just it was from flew, your home state yeah, too. Yeah, it flooded every social media I had. It was all over the news. It was everywhere as it should be. As it should be. And what's crazy is it's really not talked about a lot on podcasts. Like there's not many podcasts I could find that have actually covered his story. Yeah. Um so with that being said, trigger warning just for really like it made me very upset. And I don't know if that's just because like I personally remember it and how it was affecting universities and fraternity Greek life. I mean, it was it was just really hard for me to even like go through this. So um, here we go. Timothy Tim, which is everyone called him Tim, John Piazza was born on September 25th, 1997 to Evelyn and Jim Piazza in Edison, New Jersey. Tim and his brother Michael were raised in the Reddington Township and Tim attended high school at Hunterdon Central where he played football, track, was an ambassador, participated in the teen prevention education program, and he volunteered with outreach programs for special need children as well as the Reddington's holiday gift organization according to the washington post article written by susan s tim knew what he wanted in life he was always the life of the party athletic confident funny and even at his prom he danced so hard that he split his pants oh my god <laughs> tim was eager to get his diploma in engineering which would allow him to d- design artificial limbs for children with disabilities and marry his high school sweetheart oh Upon graduation at 18 years old in 2015 from Hunterdon Central High School, Tim was accepted to Penn State University as an engineering student. February 2nd, 2017. Tim was just getting back from winter break, um, and he's halfway through his sophomore year of college, and finishing up fraternity rush at Penn State, which is when he received a bed from Beta Theta Pi, or Beta, and it was their Alpha Upsilon chapter. And that night, all the beta pledges were called to the beta house. Because there were many events that take place in the beta house, it was easy to go, I'm sorry, because, yeah, there's many events that take place in this, and there are 14 security cameras inside this home. The easiest way to tell this story is by a timeline that I obtained from the Penn State Collegian, um, which was written by student Sarah Vassile. It's 8.56 p.m., and the pledges fill into the beta great hall, which is like their meeting room, and it's completely dark. All of the lights are turned off. Once inside and everyone is silent, three brothers identified themselves in the front of the meeting room with flashlights, like they're telling spooky stories. And these brothers were 19-year-old Daniel Casey, who was the pledge master, so like the recruitment chair. Mm-hmm. Um, 21-year-old Brendan Young, who was the president chapter. I'm sorry, the chapter president. And 21-year-old Ryan Burke, who was like unofficially the hazing chair. Okay. Casey, Young, and Burke gave their chapter initiation speeches until 9.06 p.m. when Burke led all of the pledges out of the Great Hall and into the Beta basement. 
to what he called the gauntlet. The gauntlet is a drinking obstacle course that is, as according to the beta, um, beta hazing rituals, like what pledges have to go through and like chug alcohol and like do different activities. After explaining the course to the pledges, other beta brothers sent the first pledge through the course at 9.16 p.m. At 9.21 p.m., Tim Piazza began the gauntlet. Casey is seen handing Tim a handle of vodka, which he is forced to chug from for eight seconds, as much as he could. After which, beta brother, 19-year-old Nick Cubera, hands Tim a beer, which he is instructed to shotgun. Once he completes shotgunning the beer, Tim was then to chug from a bottle of wine, I mean a bag of wine hanging from the ceiling, and he was finished with the gauntlet at this point. And they have to wait for all the other Pledge Brothers to go through. What are fraternities' obsessions with drinking? Well, what is the fraternity obsession with hazing? Like, we were both in sororities, as you guys know, in the same sorority. And I don't remember any, like, we weren't hazed. No, we weren't. Like, at all. Like, was there things that we did that were just, like, us trying to show off? Hell yeah. But, like, never forced to drink or do anything that we didn't feel comfortable doing. Yeah. Which I'm so thankful for. I just don't understand, like, fraternities and, like, the their hazing process of being so involved with the consumption of alcohol and forcefully more, 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 right. more, more of alcohol. I don't get that. Like to the point of obliteration, like, oh, that's so funny. He's so fucked up. Like, I don't like, think that's Like, why would funny. you want to do that? Like when my fiance is so fucked up, I'm literally like, get your ass in bed. Like, it's time to go. Yeah, it's just like, annoying. I, it's annoying and you have to play babysitter. And if you're not taking that responsibility to play babysitter after you then get them you obliterated, then you don't need to get someone then obliterated. Then don't get them obliterated. And then also on top of that, like, I know that there was like drinking obstacle versions of hazing with the fraternities at our school. But the main like pledge initiation hazing things I remember was like people walking around in fucking dinosaur blow up suits. Right. Like it really it was more about like embarrassed like public embarrassment. Yeah. Than it was like. And that's more inclusive for people like maybe someone has like a medical condition and they literally can't drink. So then can they not be initiated into beta? Yeah. Like really? And actually our beta at UT had been banned for years and was just brought back like our freshman year or sophomore year. Yeah. Right after it was around this incident. struggled to get pledges. Yeah. And they could they literally couldn't. Yeah. Um, So he's forced to shotgun the beer and then slap the bag of wine hanging from the top chug it. And um, you have to wait for all the other pledge members to go through this entire course. So is he going through the course? Um, are they going one at a time or is it like one person at each station? You can't move on to the next. Yeah, I think it's like once that person, I think it's timed too, from what my understandings were, but there's not a ton of like talk on it because it is considered a hazing ritual. I don't give a fuck fuck if it's your ritual or not. Like there's way more too that I've uncovered, um, in this. So at 1031 PM, the pledges are seen emerging from the basement, meaning that everyone in their class finished the gauntlet all of which are visibly over-intoxicated. Nine minutes later, Beta brother, 19-year-old Lars Kenyon, is seen helping Tim Piazza onto the couch in the Great Hall. Tim is hunched over, staggering and limp as Kenyon lays him onto the couch. But not even three minutes later, at 10.43 p.m., Cubera is seen encouraging Tim to stand up. Once Tim is on his feet, for one minute, Kubera assists him, like, putting his arm around his shoulder and walking him through the dining room, through the kitchen, and then one minute later, returning to the living room great hall and, like, laying him down on the couch again. So, 
I don't know. We don't know what they went and did, but they're just seen like walking in a circle. So one minute after laying down, which is now 1045 p.m., Tim stands up on his own and walks to the front door of the beta house. He struggles to try to get the door open, but he is unable to do so. And then he begins staggering towards the basement. As he approaches the basement stairs, he passes Beta Brothers, Jerry Coyne, and Luke Visser. Tim begins heading down the basement stairs when he stumbles and falls down them. Two minutes later, after Tim's fall at 10.47 p.m., Burke, Visser, Greg Rezzo, and 19-year-old Jonah Newman are seen carrying Tim up the stairs and lying him back on the couch in the Great Hall. Once uh, back on camera, and you can see them carrying him, um, the basement stairs did not have a video camera from that night, they say, but we later learned that they fucking destroyed it. Oh. So do we really know? So did. did he fall down the stairs or was he pushed down the stairs? Right. Because why else would you need to destroy it? Right. Right. Um, Tim is seen completely limp as the boys are carrying him. And he has a visible abdom- uh, abdominal bruise, and he's being like. Does carried. he have a shirt off? So there's some sources are like that he's completely naked, and others that he just had his shirt off. And I, I think I, I remember, think I remember it was his shirt, shirt off. off. Yeah, yeah, because because I think they had to take it off for the gauntlet. Right. But I could be wrong. Um, so he's seen with an abdominal bruise visible as he's being carried to the camera. It's clear that Tim is unresponsive at this point. Rizzo then attempts to administer a sternum rub to Tim, yet there are no reactions. At 10.49 p.m., Rizzo then dumps liquid onto Tim's face. Again, no reaction, no response, no reflexes. Burke is then seen lifting Tim's arm and then dropping it back onto his chest as Tim was completely limp. At 10.55 p.m., Newman puts John, I'm sorry, Joseph Elms, Elms' backpack on Tim's back and rolls him onto his side. At 11 p.m., Beta brother, 21-year-old Ryan Foster, sends against Tim's feet to prevent him from rolling off of the couch and moving before Jonah Newman sits on top of Tim's legs. Are you literally kidding? I know. 14 minutes later, newly initiated... I literally had him at the hospital by then. it gets worse. It just wait till you hear this one quote I have. Um, 14 minutes later, newly initiated beta brother Cordell Davis. He had just got initiated as a brother in December of 2016. Enters the room and examines Tim. And he's like going over and like bending down and looking at him. After which he begins screaming and using like animated arm movements as seen in the video. Explaining to the brothers that Tim needed to be taken to the hospital. That he was not okay and he needs help. Newman then stands up from sitting on Tim's legs and shoves Davis into a wall telling him to fucking leave. And that he <laughs> has it under control. Davis, you have it under control? What you're just. Here's the quote. You're not even ready for this. Davis then goes to the chapter VP, Ed Gilmartin, expressing his concerns for Tim's health when Gilmartin tells Davis that the brothers with him were majors in kinesiology and biology, so Tim was fucking okay and that Davis was being crazy. Okay, I'm sorry. Your kinesiology. I majored in kinesiology, and um, my sophomore year, 
or my junior year. I didn't know jack fucking shit. But Actually, I graduated and I still don't know jack fucking shit. And like if if they really were that educated and everything was OK, then they would know that he needed to be at the hospital. What? They can tape an ankle already. Like, what are you going to do? At 1125 p.m., Pledge Master Daniel Casey enters the Great Hall once again, walking over to Tim and slapping him three times on the face. At 11.53 p.m., Rizzo sends a text message in the group me, the chapter group me, saying, quote, Also, Tim Piazza might actually be a problem. He fell 15 feet down a flight of stairs, hair first, going to need help. At 1 a.m., now on February 3rd, 2017, Foster, Coyne, and Ems are with Tim as he begins to vomit and convulse onto the couch, on the couch. At 1.48 a.m., so this is 48 minutes later, Tim rolls off of the couch and onto the floor when Ems, Foster, and Matt Reinmund um, pick him up and violently throw him back onto the couch before Ems punches Tim in the stomach. What the fuck? At 3.22 a.m., Tim is awake and tries to stand up with Coin watching from across the room. Tim falls backwards, smacking his head on the hardwood floor. Coin goes over to Tim, shakes him, but when Tim doesn't react, he leaves the room. At 3.54 a.m., so now this is almost 30 minutes later, Tim regains consciousness again and attempts to stand up, but falls face first onto the floor without any bracing reactions an hour later at 4 49 a.m tim stands up and staggers to the front foyer of the home seconds later he falls onto the iron railing catching himself and then lifting himself back up once again tim begins staggering to the front door but trips before reaching it and tumbles forward hitting his head very hard against the front door Nine minutes later, at 5.08 a.m., Tim is on his knees, holding his head in his hands before before he rolls onto his side and holds his abdomen on the floor in the fetal position. At 5.58 a.m., I'm sorry, 5.15 a.m., beta brother John Martinez, Martinez, I think that's what it is, um, walks down the stairs to get water from the kitchen and steps over Tim, who is still lying in the fetal position on the floor. Oh, my God. At 526 a.m., beta brother Frederick Steamling comes down the stairs for water, and he sees Tim. He bends down and helps Tim up and walks him to the Great Hall. On the way there, Tim trips down three steps, just like three mini steps, after which um, Frederick just steps over him and continues to the kitchen, leaving Tim behind. Moments later, Tim was able to get onto his feet and got to the couch on the, I'm sorry, was walking towards the couch in the Great Hall before he collapses onto the floor. At 6.44 a.m., Beta Pledge Quobi Quanu walks into the Great Hall and begins filming Tim on the floor for his Snapchat. At 7.18 a.m., Tim stands up and stumbles towards the basement steps before going off of camera. At 10 a.m., brothers Daniel Erickson and Kyle Pecky begin searching for Tim, finding him in the basement behind the basement bar. Erickson and two of other brothers carry Tim up the stairs, place him on the couch in the Great Hall, cover him up with a blanket, wash his face, which was at this point covered in blood, and attempted to put on his shirt. 48 minutes later, at 10.48 a.m., beta brother Ryan McCann calls 911 saying something had happened to their friend. An ambulance arrived soon after and took Tim to Mount uh, Nittany, whatever, 
uh, medical center. Nittany? Nittany, thank you. I could not say it. Nittany? Nittany? Um, Took him to Mount Nittany. Thank you. Medical center because of the severity, but because of the severity of his injuries, he was quickly transported to Penn State Milton S. Hershey Medical Center and rushed into immediate surgery during which it was discovered that Tim's spleen had ruptured and he was in complete stage four shock for losing um, over 40% of his total blood volume. Wow. Because of brain swelling, half of Tim's skull had to be removed in order to relieve pressure. As surgeons were performing these life-saving measures on 19-year-old Timothy Piazza, it was deemed that his injuries were likely non-recoverable. At 1.23 a.m. on February on February 4th, 2017, Timothy Piazza was pronounced dead with a um, BAC of 0.4, which was likely higher at the time. Yeah. It was determined that Tim had been given at least 18 drinks in a span of 82 minutes, and the video from the basement had been deleted by Beta Brothers. Um, and it was also later discovered that he struggled with depression and he had been on antidepressants, so that's likely why he seemed to be much more intoxicated than the other individuals. Um, immediately after his death, a comprehensive grand jury investigation was conducted by the Center County District Attorney Stacy Parks Miller along with the FBI. And on May 5, 2017, 18 members of the Beta Theta Pi were arrested and charged in connection to Timoth- uh, Timothy Piazza's death and the cover-up of his death. Round of fucking applause. It was one of the largest hazing prosecutions in U.S. history. So I'm going to go through and talk about some of the charges. So 19-year-old Daniel Casey, who was the pledge master, was charged with 201 counts, including involuntary manslaughter, hazing, furnishing alcohol to minors, 21-year-old Brendan Young, 200 counts, same as Casey, 19-year-old Jonah Newman, 79 counts, same as Casey and Young, 19-year-old Lars Kenyon, 52 counts of reckless endangerment, alcohol to a minor, 21-year-old Michelangelo Chavon, um, 52 counts, same as Kenyon, 19-year-old Nick Cabrera, 50 counts, same as Kenyon and uh, Michelangelo, 21-year-old Ryan Foster, one count of tampering with evidence as he had deleted the film, along with Edward Gilman, Joseph Ems, Ryan McCann, and Los- uh, Lucas Rockwell. However, Ems, McCann, and Rockwell's charges were later dropped because they were the ones who called police, except for Joseph Ems was the one who punched him in the stomach. Tim in the stomach. And his got dropped. Yeah. Nice. Um, Joseph... K, Ryan Burke, Jonathan Kanzler, and Aiden O'Brien received eight counts each, including involuntary manslaughter, hazing, and providing alcohol for minors. Brian Gebb, Patrick Jackson, Reggie Goki, um, Mike Fernandez, and Donald Pryor received three counts each, including hazing, alcohol to minors, and unlawful acts relative to liquor. In addition to the brothers, Beta Theta Pi fraternity um, nationals were charged and closed indefinitely on Penn State's campus. On March 23, 2018, Jim and Evelyn Piazza introduced the Timothy J. Piazza anti-hazing law, which created tiers that hazing resulting in bodily harm or death should be classified as a third-degree felony resulting in at least seven years of prison. How fucking yeah. And the bill was passed on April 18, 2018. Soon after, in May of 2018, Senior Deputy Attorney General um, Andrew in uncovered a massive cocaine ring that was being ran by the... uh, 
Penn State Beta Theta Pi Executive Board, which was coded by accountants as the, quote, slush fund. On June 13th, wow. 20- actually does not surprise me at all. Right. On June 13th, 2018, Ryan Burke pled guilty to four counts of hazing and five counts of unlawful acts relative to liquor. On the July 31st, 2018, Burke was sentenced to three months of house arrest and 27 months of probation. Yet to this day, no one has received any jail time for the death of Timothy Piazza. No one? No one. Are you literally kidding me? So let's move on for just a second. We're going to get back to this. But I want to discuss the Beta Theta Pi um, chapter of Alpha Epsilon at Penn State. It was established in 1888 at the university. And in 1998, Beta Theta Pi launched their, quote, Men of Principle campaign, which is intended to be a cultural reversing initiative. In which a five-person advisory team of trained and active members led a 100% hazing and alcohol-free pledging and recruitment program. It um, was an initiative to end the original Beta Theta Pi's SHEP test. The SHEP test was named after founder Francis W. Shepardson, where pledges were held down onto a table with their heads covered with pillowcases. The pledges would then be forced to drink alcohol before their shoes were removed and they were told they were being branded with like a heated iron stick being like pushed against them and taken off. And um, then they instead of being branded, they would be beaten with a paddle, forced to eat and drink various foods and drinks for days, denied sleep and tortured with the gauntlet. In 2004, Penn State class of 1970 alum Donald Abbey visited the Beta House um, as he was a billionaire real estate investor. And when he walked in, he said it was fucking repulsive. So much so that he spent $8.5 million to completely renovate the fraternity house, installing 14 security cameras. In January of uh, 2009, because of these security cameras, the chapter was put on probation by the Nationals, which led into an investigation by the university and Nationals, during which the probation was changed to an interim suspension and disbanded because of the hazing and racist actions performed by members and executives. Yet, it was reestablished the next year in 2010 and rechartered, which means fully brought back onto campus in 2012, just to be permanently ba- banned and close, closing the chapter um, after the death of Tim. That is, I'm so appalled. I'm, I'm sick. 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 No words. No fucking words. It's so sad, too, because, you know, like these Hollywood and movies and books, they like so hype up, like, hazing and no they totally do they glorify they glorify it it. and like it is seriously so dangerous and they like glorify it as like comical like this shit is funny like it's funny and it's not and it like literally it kills people and tim is not the only one i i could have listed off a million for you right now if you know we wanted to go there but honestly this one just fucked me up so bad because we we're his age like yeah we went and did all that all of our friends that were in fraternities like they went through and like you know i just couldn't imagine like if anything would have happened to these guys and stuff did happen but no one thankfully died yeah and i mean it's just it's just heart it's just and like for what for for like they're paying you the fucking money that's what you really want you're just you're we're we're literally you paying have their, you. You have their image and you have their money. And that's really what Greek life wants. That's literally, that's all it is. That's it. So. In their name. 
before we move on and discuss more or even if I, I don't even think I fucking have it in me. I'm so upset about this case. I like, know, I'm just so fighting tears disgusting. every time. Um, me and Morgan want to give you some rules to live by in college. And then also we want to remind you things that you want to be sure that you educate with your kids with before you send them to elementary, middle school and high school. Things that my our parents did for us that we really appreciated and things that we've learned by our friends that have kids that, you know, we just we think that should be. Let's set. keep them safe. Keep yeah. the baby safe. Keep the baby safe. So rules to live by in college. If you don't feel safe, fucking leave. Period. Period. Don't ever do anything that you don't want to do. Thinking this is normal. Trust me, it's not. It's normal. not fucking normal. Don't ever think this just is because normal. you saw it in a movie does not make it normal. It's not normal. Keep in contact with close friends and family from home because they know you better than any of these new people that you've ever met and they know when you need help even if you don't want to ask for it amen my home friends my family they're always like mm, girl you need a mental check you need to check yourself like and also you're not reality. find my friends um yep find, find your friends. group travel as a pack good god always, live by this always tattoo it on your fucking forehead with your forehead chills i just got forehead chills talking about this literally never leave a bar alone. never ever ever if you come together you fucking leave together and i know you feel like you're like invincible when you're drunk like me and taylor both of us both like of we're, us. we literally are, do this podcast and we're still like at the bar and we're like we'll be fine we'll, we'll be literally fine. five seconds but away one from thing car. one thing about us we are never leaving anyone behind i'll walk through a bar throwing up before i leave without one of my girlfriends period and I don't give a fuck if she's like I want to go home with this guy great if you like him this much right now you'll like him in 20 minutes when he can come pick you up or send you an uber like yeah th- or you'll like him tomorrow that. right you'll really like him tomorrow I promise probably not <laughs> um right don't rush if you don't want to don't think that that's the only way rush by sorority recruitment fraternity recruitment great life in general um if you don't want to you don't have to you can find amazing friends in other ways like some of the best friends like obviously i found morgan through my sorority we found like some of our tightest group but there's so many other things that universities have to offer my my um ceb group my vault team group like the two clubs that i was in the fitness classes fitness classes people are people are regulars and yes then there's like my organi- majors my your major clubs friends literally will save your life clubs dancing yes. clubs swim clubs like go join, join clubs don't think that you have to be in greek life to like feel like you're fitting in or you know abiding by some unwritten society rule that's not true if you don't want to be in greek life you don't fucking have to it's just a waste of money if i'm gonna be honest with you period <laughs> period um if you're drinking this is a huge one you bought it you opened it and you had it covered in your hand the entire time. I know it's nice for some other dude guy to, to buy get us you a drink, drink, but no. Fuck no. It, it Fuck literally no. takes a millisecond for a little slip of something. Right. And, and I, it happens way too often, more than you'll ever think. Yes. And I promise you, I would rather lend you some money. I would rather buy my girlfriends two drinks and have you pay me back later or buy me another one later when you have the money for it than for you to go flirt with random men to try to get drinks. a drink. Don't ever fucking do that ever yeah and your bartenders are probably not your friends either so don't think like oh whatever like the bartender got it for me nope they're still dangerous um protect yourself and the others around you this goes in line with the travel with the pack but honestly it's kind of like every person for themselves kind of mentality and that's just not a safe thing to have like if i if you're in a bathroom and you see that a girl's passed out on the ground don't fucking walk out of there or take a fucking picture of her. You pick her ass up and you help her out. Like, even if you take her to the bouncer, like, don't get her in trouble or anything. But just do what you can to help her. I picked this girl up. Um, I was walking home. 
no, Logan came and picked me and my freshman uh, year roommate up from a bar and he was driving us home. And when we were driving, we saw this girl laying on the fucking sidewalk. I jumped out of the moving car. Logan, my now husband, like, oh, uh, what is she doing? This crazy bitch. Just met him. Um, and I jump out of the fucking car. I go over to her and I pick her up. She's gushing blood. She had tripped in gravel. And I picked her up, put her in the car with me. I was like, come on, where do you live? I took her to her dorm. She was too fucked up to get up there. I took her up there, took her in a room. Um, I gave her a face wipe because she lived in my same dorm. And I went back to my room after. Because I'm not leaving her behind. She's laying down in the middle of the fort. Right. You see something, do something. Yeah, see something, say something, do something, help someone. Because I promise karma's a fucking bitch if you don't. Karma is a bitch. Right. Um, Lock your fucking doors. doors lock your fucking doors i don't know if i've ever told and the story about it on the podcast remember the guy that tried to get into my apartment in the black hoodie at um cory no 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 at um morel hall oh no he, he was banging on the door and like jiggling the handle trying to get in and i went out there with a lighter and um hairspray oh you were ready to go oh i was fucking i was coming out there with a flamethrower like flamethrower flamethrower after that i invested in one of those doorstops from the inside so cheap off Amazon. So Literally cheap. $20. Ask for it in your like registry for your dorm room or whatever yeah. people do. College now. registries should be a thing. Instead no. of college grad parties with money, college registries. Registries. Fully. Trademark. Sorry, what were you saying? I just Trademark. interrupted you about locking the fucking doors. Oh, when you are walking back to your apartment or something, don't bury your head in your phone. No. Like, literally, no. you need to be looking behind you corner to corner, like making eye contact hallway. with people. Like, yes. don't be oblivious. No, and you need to make eye contact with people because if something were to happen to you, I know this one person, in fact, fuck, I made eye contact with them that night. I'm in there staring into people's souls. Yeah. Yeah, don't ever be I'm on like, your oh, phone. I'm like, are you looking at me? Oh, hi. Yeah, hi. Do you need help? Like, don't be scared to ask for help if you need it, but do not seem distracted at any point in time. Um, be careful with drugs and alcohol. I'm not telling you not to drink. I'm not telling you to not experiment with, like, weed. I mean, obviously, I don't want you out here doing fucking cocaine, guys. But I'm telling you, like... Where you're getting it, who's your source, like if you're underage and you're trying to get it off of someone that's older, like whatever, you need to be extremely fucking careful. There is no law there, obviously. Um, right. And, and it's also, extremely dangerous. Also, weed, you go to the dealer's place, you say, go ahead and light that up and smoke exactly what I'm buying first. Mm-hmm. Right in front you of your face. You watch them smoke it yep. first. And, and then, then you from take that same bag. That same bag. You and you say like you can take the however much you need off of that. I don't give a fuck. I'm I'm still gonna pay for the full thing. I just want you to smoke it in front of me. Yeah. Okay. Um, be careful where you post your location. Yes. So you're partying in the club. You just had a breakup. Paul, he's like a Paul Bernardo asswad, and you put that you're at Uptown on your Snapchat story. Don't do that. I can't tell you the amount of stalker stories we have from oh. our college friends. Oh my god! Like we have one, our really good college friend who mm-hmm. her roommate was like severely stalked severely like he was breaking into their windows and stuff and like standing outside when she was in the shower like weird people you don't know people you don't know no so just be careful that shit and exactly off of that um this is a reminder that everyone in college is quote finding themselves so you have to realize just like you everyone is in for a giant change in their personality and the way that they act because a like physically and like biologically your body is changing and so is everyone's mind body around you so that person that they seemed like a really awesome person but then they start kind of acting up and being crazy and maybe it has something to do with drugs or how much they're drinking don't put it off that there's someone good inside but because there's probably not yeah it's probably not a good person 
Do you have anything else for college? Just be careful. Just be fucking careful. Have fun, though. Have so much fun, but just be fucking careful. Um, Next, what are we going to tell your kids when they go to school? Number one, make a course of action with your child if there is ever an active shooter or an intruder in their school, on their bus, outside of the school, or on a field trip and what they need to do. My mom's rules were fuck your fucking teachers and run as fast as you can to the woods. Fuck the rules. Get out the building. Get out of the fucking building and make your way to someone's house, banging on the door until someone lets you in. That was my rule. You create whatever rule you feel comfortable with telling your child. Whatever you want to tell your kid, tell them that. Like if you want them to listen to the teacher, tell them to listen to the teacher. If you want them to immediately pick up the phone and call you and you come in and get their asses, you make that plan. Period. Um, The next is educate them on their rights as a student. So big. Let them know that, yes, teacher is their authority, but Mm -hmm. teacher has laws. Mm -hmm. And you have rights. And they have rights. Yes. And you need to be like, look, if someone's not treating you right and you don't like how your teacher's speaking to you, you can say, like, I really, but using your words correctly instead of, like, you know, being a big baby about it, just being like, hey, I really don't like the tone that you're using with me. Like, it's really not good for me. Like, do you mind, you know, speaking to me in a different way? Like using their words to communicate what they need from their teachers, from their authority at their school. Um, next one, daily updates without prying, obviously. Like, you've got to be slick about it. Um, my mom was kind of a prior and then realized that didn't work with me because I would just shut down if she pried on me. Yeah. Um, but mainly you want to ask questions about their classmates and their teachers does anyone make you know anyone act out or make you feel uncomfortable ever and um having it like a a friend conversation not you know like did anyone do anything crazy today at school like that's probably how I would do it and then be like okay well you know that you need to look out for this kid because this kid's always constantly acting out like are they normal are they okay like do you need to have a parent teacher conference about it what's up yeah um if your child has a phone fuck a teacher they need to call you if they need you yep because I remember, I don't know what, you know, school rules are with phones now, but phones were like not a thing when we were in elementary school, middle school. Yeah. And they were in your locker all day or in your bag turned off. Had to be turned off. Mm-hmm. And then you'd have to ask the teacher if you can call your parents and they would tell you no. Like, no. Why? If, if, if I need my mom, I'm going to call my fucking mom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, next one, where they can go for help. Teacher, SRO, um, principal, like anybody. But I always was told, like, if you need What's help. SRO? Like a school resource officer. We just call them the officers. Oh, yeah. The SROs. <laughs> yeah, we call them SROs. Um, so the officer, the reason why I say this is because I remember um, this one time we had a speaker come to my leadership class and he was talking about like instances in schools where kids felt uncomfortable were kind of blown off for being dramatic because you know they're high school middle school like you're being super dramatic but if something's making you feel uncomfortable um, my mom was always like you go to the officer because he legally has to take you seriously if you say something yeah period um so always remind them who they can go to who their resources are if they need help that they can call you and that you'll be there in a mama second like literally a millisecond as a mama second and also as a parent create a relationship with the teacher mm-hmm. yes like, make sure they know who you are and stalk you their know. facebooks yeah let me know if i need to look up anybody on my pi shit because <laughs> i will <laughs> give us the teachers names yeah i'll run a background you. check on them i'll see who their parents are where they're anyway were we're so excited for your kids to go back to school so you yes. listen to us more yeah <laughs> them kids, kids. <laughs> set them back yeah because you guys forgot about us 
I'm just kidding. You guys really showed up and showed out. Yeah, and the you reviews. guys really, really showed up this last week. So yeah, we love really y'all. So we love you. And we're so glad that your kids are going back to school so you can have some me time. Yeah. Uh, I know. It's definitely a parent's favorite time. I know you're like sad that they're going back. Because right. you just really enjoyed the summer having them around all the time. But like, at, you, you know, two weeks in, you're I'm like, oh, hell yeah. <laughs> hell yeah. Do you I wanna, love <laughs> this shit. <laughs> do you want to join the dance team? Do you want to join five other teams so you can stay after school and I come pick you, you need up? more five. activities, actually. <laughs> yeah, right. So um, enjoy your little break after a long summer of having your kids. Everybody who's going back to college, fucking hell yeah. Hell yeah. Have the best time ever. Be safe. Um, be observant. Wear our merch on um, to classes, please. Wear our merch to camp. And to, to camp Wear our merch to camp Wear it into your sorority rushes Your fraternity rushes <laughs> Show up to Sisterhood Day in our merch <laughs> And they say what's that You'd be like this is my sisterhood Oh my god if anybody's this what, rushing at UT of the If anybody's rushing at UT wear it <laughs> Wear it Okay <laughs> Actually don't you won't Our get sorority in. would literally shake They would block you right then They'd be like and blacklisted. you're blacklisted <laughs> <laughs> And you're out of here Okay guys um Thanks so much for joining us for the back to school special. If you guys have any questions or want us to elaborate on anything, hit us up. We would gladly do it. And we love you. Love you. Bye. Bye.